is King Charles III's coronation. An interesting point to note is that Archbishop of Canterbury, and not Charles himself, will place the crown on the king's head. He had an amazing arguing, an amazing discussion with the bishop. Uh huh. The bishop didn't want to be just looking at. He wanted to put the crown on the king so that the people can see that the king has the authority thanks to the legitimation of the the bishop. The first notice that we have of self-coronation is the Persian king. Persian king. Okay. We would say today Iran. Iran, Uh, okay. Persian king in 500 before Christ, more or less. The fact that Iberian kings were the first that they performed self-coronation make me think that perhaps they were connected with the Islamic people that were in southern Spain. As you know, yeah, the Islam- Moors were still in southern Spain. They were not kicked out yet. And then I found an amazing self-coronation in Germany, a very important king, Frederick II, Hohenstaufen, okay. who was actually one of the models of Hitler. He did. He conquered Jerusalem. This is an amazing story that Hollywood just just should 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 put in the films. But anyway, wow. So, yeah, that's amazing. He entered the city. the The ritual lasted until the Shah, the Persia, because yeah. the last Shah was self. He 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 performed self coronation. Yeah, I think his uh, coronation was in 1968 or 69, and he crowned himself. Yeah, at the end of the 60s, you are absolutely right. Yeah. So that means that the ritual was there. But we know as a historians that some uh, Persian emperors, they did not self-crowned. Did you know that most Catholic monarchs, such as those in Spain and Italy, and also Germany centuries ago, did not like being crowned by a member of the clergy. However, in countries that later became Protestant, monarchs readily accepted the ritual of being crowned by, say, a bishop. As my guest will explain, this is because Protestant kings have had more control over the church in their countries. The case of King Charles III is a prime example of this, as he is the supreme governor of the Church of England. Hey there, news peelers. Today is May 5, 2023, and this is Adele, your host at the History Behind News podcast. Aren't you tired of the repetitive news on TV and social media? They just go over the same dramatized developments all day long. Do you ever wonder what happened before our news? I mean, how do we get here? They say if you don't know your history, you're bound to repeat it. So while others cover the news, I uncover its history. I call this peeling the history behind news, which we accomplish in weekly conversations with distinguished scholars who delve deep into history to give us their fascinating perspectives from our past. I'm committed to making in-depth history that are researched and written by scholars, enjoyable and accessible to everyone. So grab a cup of coffee or your favorite drink or both. And let's get into it. In 
Well, you know the news, it's the coronation of King Charles III. And just about every network, including CNBC, which is all about business news, is covering some angle of this coronation. After researching the history of coronations for some time, I realized that there is a fascinating way, well, fascinating to me anyway, to uncover the history behind this news in a roundabout yet relevant way. Hence, this episode is about self-coronations. As my guest Dr. Jaume Aurel tells it, many monarchs have performed self-coronation, meaning they themselves placed the crown on their own heads. What's interesting is that they did this, perhaps defying firmly adhere to precedents, to establish their own authority, their supremacy, and to send a clear and visual message about their real and perceived power. Quite tellingly, as Dr. Aurel will explain, generally, successors of self-crowning monarchs within the line of their dynasty did not perform self-coronation, meaning they allowed religious authority, such as a bishop or the pope, to place the crown on their heads. This is perhaps because they felt secure in their legitimacy. Of course, we're no longer in the age of monarchs reigning supreme. But as far as the history behind news goes, this is awesome stuff, guys. For this conversation, Dr. Aurel joined me from Spain, where he's a professor of medieval history at the Department of History at the University of Navarra. His main subjects of research are medieval and modern historiography, historians' autobiographies, and medieval coronations. He has published many peer-reviewed articles and books, two of which we discuss here. The first one is Medieval Self-Coronations, The History and Symbolism of a Ritual. It's a 2020 book. And the other one is titled Genealogies of the West, Civilization, Religion, Consciousness, a book that published this year. To learn more about Dr. Aurel and his extensive research and publications, you can visit his academic homepage, the link for which is provided in the detailed caption of this episode. So, stay with me as Dr. Aurel and I peel the history behind this news. Dr. Aurel, it's a pleasure to have you in our program. Thank you for taking the time for this conversation with me. This weekend is King Charles's coronation. So what I'm wondering is, has the investiture of royal power always involved coronations? Yes, uh, it's interesting to know that uh, the kings always wanted to be crowned by other or by himself or herself. That means that legitimations come always from uh, other or from other person or from the divinity. So for, for a strange reason that as a historian, I cannot answer because this is best for history of religions of anthropology. The historical fact is that kings always perform some ritual to legitimize their authority. So this moment is the, the, the starting point of their, of, their, of their formal kingdom. That's the that's case of this Saturday, if I'm not wrong, or this Sunday, I'm not wrong. Yeah, it's this Saturday, May 6th. Yeah. This Saturday. The, great. So Charles III and British society wants to formalize the thing that they have a king. That's the explanation that always we have had always a ritual, but the variety of this ritual 
is what interested me from the beginning of this project. So let's go to that. You used the word ritual and then you followed it by variety. What I'm wondering, and if this is a silly question, pardon me in advance, has it always been a crown? Has it always, I don't know, was it ever just an armband or a ring or something? Is there something okay. special about a crown? Yes, of course. Uh, not always a crown, but usually a diadem or something in the head. Interesting. Head, yeah, because the head's the highest part of the of the of the well of any person. Exactly. So it's it's the most connected with the heaven, with uh -huh. divine divinity or whatever the societies believe. And also interesting because it's the not most noble part of the person. So uh, the, the objects uh, are a variety of objects, but always connected with the head. Anyway, complementary, you can, you, exactly, you can find a ring, you can find uh, another objects. But the most important thing is what you put on the head. I see. The other objects such as ring or scepter or whatever, armband, those are, as you said, complementary. It's really the visibility of a crown and its connection, perhaps to divinity to a higher power. Excuse me, visibility is a very good word here because uh, kings always need a society, some visual object that symbolize that power. So at what point in history was coronation of monarchs by someone else? You mentioned that at the start of our conversation coronation of monarchs by someone else gets established well in western islamic and orthodox tradition which means the three of the five big civilizations nowadays the most important historical point is when king david king david the the israeli mm -hmm. king, the jewish king yes was crowned by a priest in this case the prophet Samuel. This could oh. be one of the, yeah, perhaps you remember this or you know yeah. this, and the audience is familiar with because in the Bible there are two or three narrations on this crucial fact. This should be 1000 before Christ, yeah, more or less. And uh, the ceremony that ceremony was composed by two rituals. Two rituals. Ritual, okay. Exactly. That, that's important to keep in mind. Two rituals. The first, it was the anointment, which is the unction. When the priest put oil in the front, in this case of the king. You the mean like oil, they, they, they rubbed holy oil on the forehead of the king? Exactly. Okay. That's the point. And they, I don't know if it, this, this word works in English. It's the anointment. Anointment, Anointment, yeah, yeah. Anointment, so this was the first part of the ceremony. Uh, perhaps we will talk about this later. Sure. Uh, because it's, it's like the spiritual part of the ceremony. Because the oil had always in the ancient societies this meaning of that something supernatural is happening that. But then... Oil was connected to supernatural? Interesting. Absolutely. Okay. And still in some societies is connected. I see. Uh, well, as you know, uh, let me put a parenthesis in Mediterranean societies, oil, bread, and wine are the three most important um, 
growth things for 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 taking aluminum yeah taking food and so on so oil is perhaps the most noble of these three but as you know christianity is always connected with bread if we remember yeah a Jesus, when 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 spread the bread, and even the Eucharist is still nowadays connected with the wine and the bread. Yes, yes. Oil would be this third important food, uh, so that this is the first part of the ceremony. So this yeah. is the spiritual. But then soon, uh, the the not the priest, but the people crowned the king with a crown oh. so we have this second part of the ceremony is fascinating how from the beginning they separated the spiritual part of the ritual from the temporal part of the ritual or the secular or, or the secular let's say this is very important for my project because um in most of the ceremonies like the saturday we will see charles the third there will be an anointment and uh-huh. then an crowing both by the bishop. Which is different than what you just said. The crowning is not by the people, it's by the bishop. Interesting. Exactly. Um, exactly. In the, in the three examples, in the, from the beginning, it was not this way, exactly as you just described. Uh, you mentioned three different civilizations here, Western, Islamic, and Orthodox. Uh, and King David going back to a thousand years prior to um, to the birth of Christ. The two civilizations familiar to Americans that you did not mention is are Egyptians and the Chinese. This is not something that's been studied, right? As far as coronation, how it works, or is do we have information on that? Good question. But uh, I would I would refer to the China and India. Oh, okay. Because for me, the Egyptians uh, were subsumed by Islam. I follow. Okay. Yeah. Now, that's why nowadays I would say for the audience to, to, to know this, because I think it's important. There are five big civilizations nowadays, which is China, India, and then uh, Western civilization, Islamic, Islam. Yeah. And yeah. Then the third is Orthodox, which is Russia, Russia, yeah, because we, yeah. we can discuss this afterwards, because Russia is like the Western civilization. But at some point there was there was a division between Western Catholic and Protestant civilization and Eastern Orthodox, Russian and Slav civilization. I see. So uh, in these uh, five civilizations, we mentioned um Although we're not getting into Chinese and India, um, we could have another podcast on that separately. And <laughs> we talked about two different rituals that happened. One was uh, the anointment, the, the, the rubbing of uh, holy uh, oil on the forehead. And the second one started by the people, which is the act of crowning. What I'm interested in is this other term that you and I talked about before the podcast, um, what is self-coronation? This okay. is different than crown, being crowned by the people or a priest, right? What is that term? Yes, exactly. What's that? Then uh, we, after the fact of King David coronation, which was 1,000 before Jesus Christ, okay? Uh-huh. We have the first notice that we have of self-coronation is the Persian king. Persian king. The actual, 
Iran, no, which okay. we would say today Iran. Iran, uh, okay. So Persian king in 500 before Christ, more or less. Probably they were familiar with the Jew tradition, so that story of the of the King David, and then they changed a little bit the ritual, because the the Persian was a big empire that, as we know, was sub sub sub, sub, sub conquered by the Islam afterwards. Yeah. But in the ancient world, it was very important. So the emperor wanted to. Uh, emphasize his authority. So he missed the part of the anointment and he only took the crown and put the crown in his head. So he didn't do the anointment and he took the, was there a priest available, but he took it from the priest and put it on his head. The priests were just looking at the ritual. Interesting. Was this Cyrus uh, the Great, the founder of the Persian uh, dynasty empire, the first Persian exactly. empire? That's the, exactly. What that that was uh, the Persian Sassanidas. Perhaps the name is familiar. Okay. Sassanidas is a very technical name. Yeah. But it shows that the emperor wanted to be also a priest. Ah. So okay. Some some clarifications here. First of all, we're talking sure. about the second Persian Empire, the Sasanian Empire, and, exactly. and uh, not not the Achaemenid. This is the Sasanian well, Empire. No, let me let me clarify this. Is it started with the Achaemenid? Oh, it started with the Achaemenid. So the first Persian Empire. Yes. And the important point is that that king Cyrus the Great, um, he wanted to exert his own authority and also say that I'm king and perhaps priest. Let me contact co connect with the contemporary society. Nowadays, okay. the head of the Iran is an Ayatollah. He is a <laughs> yeah. priest and he is yeah. a president. It's amazing how history helps us to understand the present. It does. You cannot enter, you cannot enter in Iran in Iran and think, well, let's let's do a democracy there. Well, <laughs> since two thousand and 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 five and five hundred uh, years they were considering that the king is also a priest. So don't try to change in one or two days because the soldiers were there and, and they are going to change, suppose that they're going to change to 2,000 years of history in one in one battle. Do you know what I mean? I do, I do. That is such an interesting connection to history. Um, yeah. We'll be back after a short break to talk about dramatic stories of kings and emperors who placed the crown on their own heads, similar to the example that you shared with me, and we'll find out what happened to them. We'll be right back. Did you know that in Britain, royal self-staging to show the royal family on the throne started with the reign of Queen Victoria. It was the dawn of an era in which a loving, happy family life became absolutely desirable for the middle class, and Queen Victoria and her husband, Prince Albert, went to great lengths to show themselves as just that, a happy, caring couple with playful and messy children, as if they were a normal family. Last year, in Season 2, Episode 31, I spoke with Dr. Heidi Merkins of the University of Aberdeen in Scotland about the royal family on the throne. We discussed that history during the 10-day mourning period for the passing of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. The link to my conversation with Dr. Mergens is provided in the detailed caption of this episode. 
Now, let's get back to our conversation with Dr. Aurel about kings who crown themselves. Dr. Aurel, let's talk about self-coronation history in the context of your book, which is titled Medieval Self-Coronations, The History and Symbolism of a Ritual. First, um, I'm just curious, why did you write this book? There are not too many scholars out there who study the history of self-coronation. Exactly. There were a lot of, of histories, stories of coronations in general, but at some point, I am from Barcelona. Barcelona is a very, very rich medieval city. It's still yeah. rich nowadays, as you know. It's a very important of course. Uh, yeah, tourist center. But we in Barcelona, we have lots of archives. And at some point, actually, my first specialization was about merchant culture in the 15th century. So the the how what books read the the entrepreneurs in the Middle Ages or what what was this his or their religion anyway this is another topic. so you sort of started on the business side of history into medieval history interesting okay all right I'm following there. yeah but at some point reading a manuscript of the 14th century I found it happens in history serendity I think there is a nice English word for this anyway I I found uh, an amazing record in which the story of Peter the Ceremonios, which is okay. a very interesting last name for a, for a king, Peter the Ceremonios. What what? Uh, who, where was he a king of? Uh, exactly, he was the king of the Crown of Aragon. Okay, so Spain, the, the Iberian Peninsula. Spain, yeah, exactly, very part of the Iberian Peninsula, Catalonia, Aragon, and Majorca. Okay. Anyway, he. Um, in that record, in that mm -hmm. record, uh, he explained very well the way how the kings after him had to be crowned. Oh, he explained so, this. Okay. Exactly. He Interesting. Asked the priests of the crown that helped him in the in the in his in his reign to uh, make a liturgical book. For the mass, that in in at the end of the mass, the king himself had to take the crown, which is on the altar uh -huh. for the mass, and and it's supposed that uh, he had to take the crown and crown himself, and the priests and the bishops have to see the ritual but not intervene in the ritual. Oh, that's interesting. So the priests are essentially setting up the circumstances, the scene. It's sort of imbued with religiosity, with rituals. But the conduct, the physical action of crowning is done by Peter himself. Exactly. But ah. better than this, there is another amazing thing here that the king explains in a brief introduction of this brilliant document. The king explains that before the mass of his coronation, he had an amazing arguing, an amazing discussion with the bishop. Uh huh. The bishop didn't want to be just looking at. He wanted to put the crown on the king so that the people can see that 
the king has the authority thanks to the legitimation to the bishop. Of, the, of the bishop. So, so in a way, the, the king, king is saying, I had this discussion, but I won. The, the power comes from the monarch, not the bishop. You're shaking your head and come, uh, saying, affir affirming what I'm yes. saying, right? Interesting. Yes. So that, uh, he wanted that his children and grandchildren, they don't have to discuss again with the bishop. That's why he wanted to fix the ritual. Yeah. So was the ritual... Go ahead. So was the ritual fixed for the, his entire dynasty, for his you know son and grandson? But unfortunately for the for Peter the Ceremonious, he had only three successors. Because then, after at the beginning of at the end of the 15th century, the Crown of Aragon joined with Castilia, and then was the Spanish Empire. Yes. Yeah, and they kicked out the Moors, and yes, Spain became a exactly, yeah. and then. The new kings of Spain, they changed the ritual. If you want, we can go to this further. But Oh, I do want, I do want, but that's a whole different podcast, Dr. Aurel. Let me um, add only one thing on this. It's interesting because um, the king, with this gesture, didn't want to say to the bishop, I don't want you. He just wanted to send the message that the spiritual and the temporal symbols of the ceremony are to be separated. Yeah. Because he wanted to be anointed by the bishop. Yeah. But not to put the crown. The crown. Uh, exactly. Yeah. So the interesting thing is that on Saturday, you will see that the bishop will be both the anointment. Yeah, and, and the, the crown. crown. We're going to talk about that because I'm interested on your take. But before we go and talk about King Charles uh, this weekend, this this is what I want to know. Um, you mentioned Cyrus the Great, uh, the Persian emperor, the founding king of the first Persian empire. So he placed a crown on his own head. Did his successors also do that? Did that become a ritual for the entire length of the Persian dynasty? No. There, no. <laughs> there, there, no, there were discontinuities. Uh -huh. I'm going to tell you why. Why? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, two things here. The the ritual lasted until the Shah of Persia until 1979. 1979, because yeah. the last Shah was self. He 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 performed self coronation. Yeah, I think his uh, coronation was in 1968 or 69, and he crowned himself. Right. Yeah, at the end of the 60s, you are absolutely right. Yeah. So that means that the ritual was there, but we know as a historians that some uh, Persian emperors they did not self-crown. Why? Because Why? My interpretation on this is that when you don't need to stress very much your authority, you don't need to um, perform the ritual of self-coronation. Ah. Because it's supposed that you're the successor of a previous king that started this tradition because probably he was the first of the lineage, the first of the genealogy the first yeah, of the and the line in a dynasty or perhaps uh, a king that may not be so secure in his crown and his and his throne uh, or 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 wants to send a message <laughs> this this begs this, this begs the following question dr Aurel. 
the Shah of Iran uh, was deposed in 1979, so he did not fare well. Uh, you know, a self. Here's an example of a self-coronating uh, king. The the only other one that I can think of. I mean, you mentioned Cyrus the Great was Napoleon, and he crowned himself, and he didn't do well either. Is there a connection between self-crowning and faring well as a monarch, or no? Well, uh, let me think. Let me tell you just one thing uh, before answering this. Okay. Uh, remember that after the Shah the Persia, it came the Republican Revolution of Iran. Yes. So yes. it's interesting that the Ayatollah they don't have the ritual of coronations. Of course, yeah. It is a republic. Anyway, just just to clarify this because I think it's important. Probably in Persia, we will lose this long tradition of, of yeah, self-coronation. Of course. Then going to your, your point, this is a very important point. Um, some of the kings that performed self-coronation in the Middle Ages, they were not legitimate to be kings. It's exactly the, the case of Napoleon. Napoleon wanted to be crowned by the Pope because he felt that something strange was happening with the Republican ideal after the French Revolution. Yeah. So you are right when you said before that there is something in 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 the kings that it's kind of bad conscience. Yeah. Yeah. In the in the just half a minute that we have left, I just wanted to sure. confirm. I forgot to ask this question. With respect to India and China, we, we said that that's a whole different podcast. Yes, Is no, there no. also a history of self-coronation? In my in my experience, perhaps a specialist could, could say something different. There is not. Interesting. And yeah, there is not. And that's why I started with the story of King David. Yeah. Because this is one of the foundational events. You know, all the civilization had foundational events that wait very much. And probably they are not right. They are not, they, they, they did not happen. But since they are told by generations and generations, the narration of the facts sometimes is more important than the fact itself. Oh, so you're saying that events may actually not be factual, maybe a myth. But because of its repetition through generations, that myth becomes a reality for subsequent. Exactly. I understand. I'm saying this because it's important to note that some events had the, the relevance not only because they happened, but because we are narrating them, because we are talking about them, like like in this case, King David's coronation. Sorry. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, that 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 becomes reality uh, of other civilizations of future generations we're talking about different cultures here you know china india and then um, orthodoxy islam and and the west uh, sort of christendom if you will um and i'm interested to talk about something that you've written about multiculturalism so we'll be right back after a short break to talk about that we hope you are enjoying this podcast. And if you are, then why not treat us to a cup of coffee? That's right. For the price of a cup of coffee, you too can become a monthly supporter of the History Behind News podcast. We rely on your support to continue this program, to continue peeling the history behind our news. Supporting us is easy. Just click the support link in the detailed caption of this episode. 
And while you're there, check out the information about our guests and other attributions and links. And thank you. Dr. Aurel, before this podcast, you and I discussed your recent book, which is titled Genealogies of the West, Civilization, Religion, and Consciousness. Uh, does your recent book discuss self-coronation? I know it's about multiculturalism, right? Yes, it is about multiculturalism, but I wrote this new book in some part after my experience of, of medieval self-coronations. Interesting. Because I thought, wow, there is a very interesting connection between Christian, Western, and Eastern, and Islamic uh, civilizations, because the Islamic civilization in the Middle Ages, that as you know, was very different than nowadays. Uh, well, I'm not going to go in here, but the three civilizations were, were very well connected. So at some point, the fact that Iberian kings were the first that they performed self-coronation made me think that perhaps they were connected with the Islamic people that were southern in southern Spain, as you know. Yeah, the Islam the Moors were still in southern Spain. They were not kicked out yet. I see. So the, the, there was a, a, a lot of connections there, and for me, it was very interesting to note that self coronation is a fact typical of Western civilization because they they start separating spiritual and temporal. But it was interesting for me that it started because of the connection in, uh, with the Islam in this yeah. Spain, in medieval Spain. So it made me think that perhaps nowadays we tend to think that Western civilization is, is very isolated or very uncultural and unmulticultural. Yeah. But the thing, this worked for 16th and 19th centuries because uh -huh. of the colonization, but not from the medieval spirit of Western civilization. That's why I wanted to write a book on the whole story from David King's, which actually is the first character of my book, Genealogies of the West, to the present. Because we tend to think that Western civilization is against multiculturalism. But if you go to the long history, you realize that perhaps it's not so simple. Oh, interesting. Interesting. So you're thinking there are elements uh, in medieval practice of self-coronation in northern Iberia and Aragon that may have been borrowed and learned perhaps from Moors that were in the South and which connects to Islam. Uh, very interesting. Is there anything about religion, modern religion of uh, Europe that connects to multiculturalism? I can I, I can answer that question myself almost. There's so much. Yeah. The religion comes from the Middle East or, yeah. Yeah. Well, but the fact is that if you see nowadays these five civilizations, so like like we had before, China, India, uh, Russia, Islam, and Western civilization. The fact, the historical fact, and the event is that the Western civilization is where more most people of different civilizations are living there. 
Oh, interesting. So this is a fact. This is, is it's because there is a long tradition of Western civilization. Uh, because if you think in medieval Europe, there, there was an amazing variety of ethnics. Sometimes, for instance, I put the example of England. It's supposed that the people from England, Scotland, who went to the States, they were the pure race. But this is not true, because if you see the Middle Ages in two centuries, in the Great Britain, you have Angles, Saxons, Britons, uh, Normans, uh, Vikings. So it's an amazing mixing of, 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 of ethnic, religion. So that's why when you know the long long term history so you think different from 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 what people usually think it's true that he, we historians are a weird race but <laughs> but it's it's interesting to think in this term it's interesting you mentioned england uh dr Aurel. we're going to england mm -hmm. this summer and i'm reading the oxford university's um the history of england so all these different uh uh, races and ethnicities that came to England uh, and and the British Isles are discussed. That's very interesting. In the minute we have of this segment, I just wanted to make sure I'm not missing this important point. And it's the following. You said you were inspired to write your book about self-coronation by looking into medieval history uh, in, in Spain. And you found uh, Peter, uh, who, who, who essentially explained why he wanted to self crown himself and the discussions he had with the priest. I got that. Have you come across other medieval self-coronation examples in Europe? Let's say, I don't know, Sweden, Norway, England. Yes. Uh, we historians, when we found an historical fact, we always try to go behind. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. You know the Latin expression, nil novum sub sole? I've never there, heard it. There, no. is, there is no new uh, below the sun. No, new, nothing no new, new below. below the sun. The history is always repeating and repeating and repeating. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. So I guess the okay. answer, go ahead. Yeah, sure. No, no, I wanted to, to tell you that uh, then I, I, then I looked to Germany, Italy, mm -hmm. uh, England and France, which is, I had to, to go to the languages I know because you have to go to the original exactly. sources. Uh, anyway, I know French, Germany, England, Catalan, of course. Anyway, I had to do the, this archive. And then I found an amazing self-coronation in Germany one century before Peter. Which Interesting. Is the, yeah, a very important king, Frederick II Hohenstaufen. Okay. Who was actually one of the models of Hitler. <laughs> oh, boy. Probably the most important king in medieval Germany, Frederick II, uh, was the German king connected with Sicily. And at that time, Sicily had strong connections with Islam. Again, the story repeats. This but is really interesting. We're talking about a medieval. Yeah. German king, yes. Frederick II, exactly. who was admired by Hitler, and that German king had connections to Sicily way down south. <laughs> and, and and then he was connected wow. to Sicily because anyway, because we, his grandfather was an important Sicilian king. Yeah. 
And Norman, by the way, a big king. Anyway, this would be too long, but it's... No, I know, I know. I'm following you. Okay. The thing that I'm going to... to the, the point here is at some point, this king wanted to conquer Jerusalem. Oh, wow. That's amazing. <laughs> because as you know, in Europe, there were a long tradition of crusaders that wanted to liberate... But this is late. Uh, other crusades had already happened. This is late in in the history chronology of crusades. What is this? 1400s? The late 1300s? No, no, this is 1300s. Middle 1300s. 1300s. Okay, that's but still late. Yeah, yeah, it's late. This is yeah. late for the crusades. This is why this amazing king said, I'm not going to, to keep the Holy Land in the hands of the Islam. And Later, later of the golden age of the Crusades, he wanted to conquer Jerusalem. And then he did. He did. He conquered Jerusalem. This is an amazing story that Hollywood just, just should, should, should put in the films. But anyway. Wow. So, yeah, that's amazing. He entered the city because he was very, let's say, uh, violent and very wise and, and he convinced some Islamic little kings there. So he entered and the first thing he did was to perform a solemn self-coronation in the Church of the Holy Cross, which is the center of Christianity. This is an amazing story. I've never heard this. So sometime in the 1300s, Christians conquer jerusalem again but he he must have lost it because it was not a long exactly. period only 15 years or 20 years oh wow was like an inst instantaneous conquest and then obviously when frederick the uh, second died all his conquerors were lost were lost that, that so this is not the latin kingdom of the first crusade that lasted some 80 90 years this is just a brief period in the 15 years so did interesting did frederick ii's um, successors his his sons did they also self-coronate no this was the only <laughs> the only point that 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 really was like isolated but for me for my story of the self-coronation was very very important yeah this because, is just uh, yes because uh, uh, peter peter was middle 14th century yeah Frederick was middle 13th century yeah so that 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 made me think that perhaps there was something before yeah yeah so, I, I follow the line, as you know, historians are <laughs> like a detective-esque uh, story uh, investigation. Anyway, so and then I find a very interesting story about Frederick's the second grandfather, his grandfather. So we're going back in time now. Yeah, the, the story always when you you have a research on history, you you always have to go back. Okay. Go forward after you know everything, you can go forward, Dr. Aurel. This is not working out for me. You have to have your university to invite me to Navarra. We sit down and we talk about it. In the minute we have left, tell me about his grandfather. Uh, anything yes, significant exactly. with respect to self coronation? Who Roger the second, Roger, Roger the second. okay, the second, uh huh. 
Uh, he, wa he was the first king of Sicily. He was a king, um, well, his ancestors probably were the Vikings, the Vikings that they Vikings. came from. from okay. Vikings, thank you, that they came from the northern of, of Europe. They first colonized Normandy, the actual yeah. Normandy. That's, that's why we call them Nor Norm the, the, Nor the Normans. Yeah. So that the Normans from there, they were, what they, they, they went to Ukraine. Don't lose this line, but anyway, we cannot talk about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's very important for the conflict nowadays. Yeah. You know that the Normans colonized Ukraine yeah. before the Russians. Anyway, we will come back here. But anyway, they, they also colonized Sicily. And this king, Roger II, the island of Sicily, this king wanted to perform self-coronation because he didn't want to be a crown by the Pope. Because as you know, Sicily is part of Italy. Yeah, yeah. And the Pope was in Rome. So when the Pope realized that one of the French kings conquered Sicily, he wanted to crown this king because it's like a sign of, of, of you depend on me. Your authority, I give your authority. Exactly. So Roger II, we are not sure if he performed self-coronation, but we are sure that in a church very famous in Palermo, there is an amazing picture of Christ crowing the king. Oh, not the Pope, but Christ placing the crown Christ on Roger himself. II's head. Let's. I'm going to. Show so, in a way, you. maybe Roger II is saying, "I get my authority directly from Christ, not from the Pope." And Pope not back then true. was really not just a religious figure; he was a formidable political figure with his own uh, administration and you know military back then. Yes. Yeah. But he was also the universal authority in religious terms for Western civilization. Exactly. That's very important. Yeah. So yeah. You are right. He was also a political prince, a political king, but also uh, 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 a religious leader, right? I see. Uh, were you going to show me a picture? Is, yes. And I can describe it to our audience. Yes, exactly. So let's see if we can, if you can see it. Uh, just give me one minute. Um, yes, it's here. Let's see if you can see it, because otherwise I'm going to... You're welcome to email it to me. Oh, I see it. Yeah, it's in a book, and there's a picture of a king. His head bent a little bit in deference, and there is uh, uh, Christ putting the crown on the king's head. Yes. Oh, that is... Uh, is, is, that, is that your book, by the way? Yes, yes. Oh, wonderful. Is, yes, exactly. The book is is his this is this the book. medieval self coronations that we talked about. I'll provide a link uh, to, yeah, to your book. Page 186, 186, you will find this amazing image in which which is a by the way, is a very, very big mosaic. It works mosaic, okay, yeah. Mosaic the yeah, yeah. Are amazing mosaic, very big. So when you enter in that church, one of the main churches in 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 Palermo, Palermo yeah, you find 
Christ crowing a, a king, which is actually a very, very unique from that time and before that time image, because this is an amazing gesture yeah. of self-confidence. Self, self -confidence. I'm, I'm crowned by the same prize, which <laughs> all the symbology that wow. it has. Um, Don't forget but, this was Frederick II's grandfather. So you, you, you can follow the line. You, you follow the line, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Dr. Aurel, in this section, we talked about uh, Frederick II. We talked about, we mentioned Hitler. We followed the Vikings <laughs> to Normandy and then Ukraine. And now we're in Sicily. Yeah. This, this this was a fascinating segment. Um, let's take a break here. Stay with me and Dr. Aurel as we get into the perspective. The History Behind News podcast is available on all your favorite podcast platforms. Of course, we love your reviews and ratings of our podcast, especially on Apple and Spotify. And remember, don't keep us to yourself. Tell a friend about the History Behind News podcast. Dr. Aurel, as we discussed, the coronation of King Charles III is this weekend. Is this a case of, quote unquote, conventional old fashioned coronation? And I don't mean this in a bad way, just. Absolutely, yeah. And it's yeah, not yeah. Or bad. It's yeah. Conventional is a very good word here, conventional. Yeah. Because the most, the most part of the medieval Christian kings, they were crowned by the bishop. What was interesting here is that for me, the most Catholics kingdoms like mm. Spain and Italy, they didn't like be crowned by a bishop. Oh, they did not like Catholic kingdoms. Interesting. Okay. It's interesting that the, the, the countries that afterwards they were Protestants, they like very much to be crowned by a bishop. You know what I mean? So yeah, me, there are um, explanations on this. Well, because you can think, excuse me, you can think. So in Spain, there are clericals. They are very always uh, attached to the hierarchy of the church. But in fact, they are not because the kings wanted to separate spiritual things on the temporal. Mm -hmm. But England and France, which is supposed that they are more, let's say, detached to the hierarchy, they need the hierarchy more than the Spanish kings because they need an external sign that the people can realize, may realize that the authority of the king comes from the bishop. So you're saying French and uh, English kings need the clergy more than, let's say, Spanish kings or Italians, but France is a Catholic. It's not, yes. uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, That's a good point, but let, let me say, uh, France and England, they were very connected in the Middle Ages. That, that This is part of another story because of the actually, same limit. Yes, we go back to the Hundred Year War and the Plantagenets and all of that, Stuarts and Tudors. Much of France was actually ruled by the English and before that, vice, vice versa. Um, is one of the reasons why Protestant kings, I'm just going on a limb here, I'm going to propose something, you tell me if I'm wrong, is one of the reasons why Protestant kings or and, and, and perhaps queens did not mind being crowned by uh, a member of their clergy is that 
they had more control of their own clergy. For example, when you look at England, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the monarch is also head of the English church, the Anglican church. Did I say that correctly? You're shaking your head in affirmation. So maybe that's one reason. Yes. Yes. And it's interesting you know this because um, the thing in in the more Catholic kingdoms is, is that they want to separate things. But in the Protestant kingdoms, it's the domination of the temporal over the spiritual. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, do you think self-coronation would happen now in our age? Let's put religion aside for a second. I'm like, you know, with democracy, 21st century and all that, would do you think any would-be monarch would have the guts, the gall, yeah. audacity? I, I am addressing, I guess, to the North American audience. If you think on the figure of Trump. Trump? Yes. Mr. Trump, our, our former president. Mr. Trump, yes. Yeah. He, he really, um, if he could have done it, he, <laughs> I am pretty sure that he would order self-coronation. Because if you remember the, the disorders after the end of, of, of his of his presidency and, and yeah. the parliament and so on, it's a kind of saying, look, if the people don't want me to, to be the president, I'm going to self-crown. You know, I'm saying this because it's there is something <laughs> symbolical here. Symbolical. Yeah. Self-coronations. But uh, if you ask me, Imagine someone self-growing nowadays. Well, the last king was a king of Hawaii. Hawaii, Hawaii it was. Uh -huh. Hawaii. Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. We we have we know that the, the I read this in an anthropology book. I didn't know this. That one of the last kings of Hawaii, he performed self-coronation, and this was 19th century. This is a yeah. very interesting story. So yeah. I would say that nowadays some tribals, rituals, or some small countries perhaps can do self-coronation. But I don't think a yeah. big president or a big, uh, but, except but, on this symbolical sense that I told you before. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Aurel, you have a knack for connecting history with contemporary <laughs> events, sir, um, um, including Mr. Trump's um, interest in symbolism. If you wanted our audience to remember just one point about self-coronation, what would it be? Yeah, uh, the main idea for me is that in the Middle Ages, self-coronations functioned as a very interesting and important ideal to separate the spiritual from the temporal. Yeah. The hierarchy from the political power, the spiritual hierarchy from the political power. This is very important because the Western civilization is the only one that has really been able to separate the spiritual from the temporal. We have not time here, but for instance, in Islam, this is, this is the, both are very connected. Yeah. And in Russia, and in Russia too, Putin is whether what the bishops there had to say about Ukrainian war. Yeah, yeah. This is very important for the tradition. So if you ask me one point, this, this is a, a very relevant point. 
after the Middle Ages, then Napoleon or even the, the, the joke of Tram, Mr. Tram that we have told, it's, it's another thing. But in the Middle Ages, this is the very relevant point to separate the temporal from the spiritual. And that's a big deal because in the Middle Ages, Europe and the world in general was still a very religious planet, a very spiritual planet. So for kings back then to separate uh, their political power versus uh, sort of God-given spiritual or priestly handed power is very important. Uh, Dr. Alwell, thank you so much for educating me and our listeners. And to our listeners, if you know of any history that could provide more perspective from the past on this subject, please share it with us and tell us what's your perspective. Thank you so much, Dr. Awell. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Same here. <laughs> the opinions and statements of our guests are their own. We neither agree nor disagree with them. We're only interested in the perspective they provide through history. At History Behind News, we're honored that our guests share their expertise with us, most of which are based on years of scholarship and research, and we provide links to their projects and publications for your benefit, to review them if you wish. Otherwise, we're not affiliated with our guests. We just think they teach us pretty cool history, the history behind our news. Also. Unless we explicitly inform you, we're not affiliated with any institutions, including Amazon, for which book links are shared here from time to time for your convenience. Finally, as a reminder, we don't do news here at History Behind News. We peel the news for the history behind it. And our mission is not to provide a complete account and analysis of the past, rather is to highlight some issues and incidents in our history that may poke and prod your discerning minds into seeking some perspective for our news. And if you disagree with our take on history, well then, it means we've succeeded in getting you to think about the history behind news. And of course, share your thoughts with me by leaving your comments on Twitter or sending an email to Adele at historybehindnews.com. I love to hear from you. I love to learn from you. Until next time, this is Adele with History Behind News, a history podcast for our news.